This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, and today is going to be a fun day because I have fun friends to talk to about cars. Yes, I do. Uh, Lauren Fix is the first one up and Car Coach, carcoachreports.com on the web. You can find her, you know, all over the place. But uh, let's just see the best place. Uh, Twitter, at Lauren Fix, Instagram, hashtag Car Coach Reports. Or, you know, there's a uh, probably a YouTube channel. I don't know. Let's ask her. What's your YouTube? Is it uh, probably Car Coach Reports? Car Coach Reports. Yeah, everything is Car Coach Reports. Or you can find me on all forms of social media, at Lauren Fix. I'm literally on everything. There you go. Truth, social, Getter, MeWe, CloudHub. You know what? I'm, I'm like, it exhausts me trying to post crap everywhere. I got to tell you, it exhausts me. <laughs> you get good at it. I do nine different media sites. Plus, I have a sub stack, and I'm on Rumble as well. Ugh, I'd like to have a sub sandwich. You get good. You just get good at it. (laughs) You you missed that. You missed that. You said you have sub stack. I don't even know what that is. I said I'd like to have a sub sandwich. You don't know what a sub stack is? No. What is it? Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm behind. It's not a sandwich. It's a a site where you can post whatever you want to say. It's completely unaltered. Unfiltered, uh, yeah. But... Is unedited by the uh, social media police, uh. and uh, and and you can charge if you want. I don't charge. I say people want to support me. You can buy me a cup of coffee. Oh. There's a link on my website. I've it's done buy that. Buy me a cup of coffee. dot com slash Lauren Fix. I've, yeah, I've done that and actually because I I saw one of your something or others and I I'm like I'm gonna buy her a cup of coffee. I thought that was the coolest way to dare I say donate or support somebody. It was brilliant. So, uh, hey, by the way, five bucks. It's only five dollars. It's a great thing versus Patreon. Listen, people don't want to necessarily subscribe. They want to throw five bucks in your can. Where do you get a cup of coffee for five bucks? I get like it's five fifty for the cheapest one, and then you got to give them a buck or so for tip and. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, anyway. Okay. Sure, I guess you can go to like Tim Hortons or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, on the East McDonald's. Coast, right? Um, all right. Here's the question. I said, what do you want to talk about? She says, World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab. Is that what you're mm-hmm. talking about? <laughs> the unelected super wealthy that want to control your life. Oh, my gosh. Are they messing with the car world well, now? They have been. They've been saying for the longest time, no cars for you. You don't need cars. You don't drive them all the time. And so because you're not driving them all the time, you should share cars. And remember, you shouldn't even use cars. You should mass transportation. They have this 15-minute city plan that everything you need is within 15 minutes, and you can either walk, take a bus, or take a train. In other words, no cars for two. You don't get no cars. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. So it gets worse. So this year's World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, and of course, all the, the news outlets follow it. I'm like, these idiots don't deserve attention. They just have tons and tons and tons of family cash for years, and they're unelected. They're just super wealthy. They fly in their private jet with gigantic carbon footprints to tell you what to do. You know, like they want to put chips in you so they can track yeah. all your health. Yeah, not this chuck. Yeah. But even better, they have a new genius on board this year. 
and I call him a genius. I can't even say his name. It's Adele bin Ahmad al-Jabir. He's the Ministry of State of Foreign Affairs and Climate Envoy mm. for Saudi Arabia. And he says, there'll be no cars because we've created a concrete-walled city. The concrete walls will be over 20 feet tall, and inside will be everything you need, and you'll have no reason to leave that little concrete-walled city. Oh my I'm thinking, gosh. yeah, that's prison. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, exactly, right? Oh, my god! It's a gosh. prison cell. Everybody gets a home. They're getting super high rises. Ugh. Yeah, no, I'm out there. This sounds like a cesspool of disease and crime, yeah. but I will pass. <laughs> but in the meantime, this is what his plan is. It's called the evolution of the urban life. And he stated in the plan that he's going to revolutionize the way people live in cities and urban planning. And it's, the plan is called NEOM, N-E-O-M. So you can look that up that way. It's an attempt to create a city that's environmentally friendly, sustainable, and that is very high quality in life and no traffic. Oh, my god! I'm like, well, no traffic means no cars. And so then he goes on to talk about there'll be no cars because cars are something you will ask to borrow mm. and you will use it via the cloud and you will use your phone to connect. Oh. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is, is not, not a world happen. that I want to live in when that happens. My, yeah. I can hear my cows mooing in the background. Uh, let's take a break. This song is perfect. Superstition. Uh, it is The Drive. Lauren Fix is with us. Klaus Schwab is the other. Oh, no, he's not on today. Anyway, we'll be right back with more. <laughs> There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. I'm Alan Taylor. Lauren Fix joining us. Car Coach Reports bringing all kinds of really happy, uh, uplifting news today, Lauren. Thank you. Sorry. I can make something positive if you want me to make up something. No, it's the world we live in right now. There's just so much Um, ugly stuff going on. You know, I mean, whether it's the weather. A friend of mine's coming from Alberta, Canada, and he goes, yeah, you're like uh, 23 hours away from me. And I'm like, wow. He goes, but it could take longer if I hit some bad weather because there's a nasty, wicked storm coming. And I'm like, I'm like, wow. Yeah, I guess in Canada they get some pretty heavy snow. But uh, speaking of weather, 
It's been raining a lot, and there's flood cars out there, and Lauren has some information on flood cars. I just want people to be aware. Everybody's looking for a replacement car, a used car, a new car, whether it's for a new driver. And when you look up there and you go, oh, look, it looks like the prices are softening a little bit. But it's really important to note, I just had a call today from a friend of mine who had said they were looking at this car. It looked like it was in really good shape, and it had been sitting on the lot for about six months. And I said, you know, I said, the price might be sounding right, but you want to, even though it was the same brand, like a Ford at a Ford dealer type of thing. He said, I said, you know what? Get a mechanic to look at it because there's so many flood damaged cars from Hurricane Ian, which is in Florida, or California that had flooding or any of the other floods we've had around the country. People typically think, well, that's their problem. That's going to stay in Florida. It doesn't. Those cars, and there's over 360,000 of them all over the country. And maybe they end up in Canada, they end up all over the world because they go to auctions. And the auction houses sell them to junkyards. And the junkyard guy will either take it apart and make money with it if it's really junk. Or if it's questionable, like maybe we could get some parts from another car and make this thing work. They do. Now, they're supposed to disclose that their flood damage are totaled or disposed of cars, but they don't. Some people send them to Pennsylvania, then to Arkansas, and, you know, you know, they come from states like, oh, geez, I'm in Colorado, it doesn't phase me. Yeah, well, the car came out of Louisiana, and there was flooding, and sure enough, it's a flood-damaged car. So there's no way to know unless you have a certified mechanic look at them. Right. Don't think that you know better, but if you've got to get it up on a lift, you've got to take the wheels. You know you own a salvage yard. You've got to really take the time to look. <laughs> you know, I used to own a salvage yard, to your point, and I bought... I remember thinking way back, because I'm old, in 1992 mm. after Hurricane Aniki. 92, I know, that's a long way back. State Farm Insurance said, hey, Alan, you want to buy some flood damage and uh, hurricane damage cars? And I'm like, yeah, that will fly you to Hawaii, but you have to take the cars <laughs> off the island. And I'm like, damn tootin', I'm in. So, uh, yeah, I went and I bought a bunch of cars. We put them on, on barges, and it took, took a couple weeks to get them home. And let me just tell you, if there's fresh water, that's one thing. But when it's brackish or salty water also, you've really it. got a problem. But, you know, all you get is sheet metal because everything else is destroyed. With a wreck car, there's so many good parts. There's yep. motors and transmissions and things that didn't maybe get hurt. It got rear-ended or got hit in the side. There's a lot of good stuff, but a car that's in the water, it's like it might as well have, you know, cancer or AIDS. It's, it's, oh, it's done. You know, it's, it's done. done. Electric yeah. cars are even worse. Yeah. It's Electric really. Electric cars that, that get salt water in them catch fire. Yeah. And not with any notice. But, and you know, Carfax has about 60% of the cars, they don't have them all. I so say you that. You really have to keep in mind. Yeah. I say that yeah. too uh, about cancer. Now, just like cancer, anything can be fixed. Doctors are amazing, and body shops and backyard mechanics can be amazing. So having, like you said, Carfax, uh, having these reports, the insurance companies have to report them. But there are states that don't have reporting things sometimes. So anything can go under the wire. Today, with these electronic cars, OMG. You do not want to mm -hmm. buy those little black boxes. So uh, make sure you really Super have things. Super expensive. Yeah. Airbags, too, are really expensive. And if it sounds too good to be true because the price is so good with the market the way it is today, if it sounds too good to be true, it ain't true. 
So all I can say is you know, be very, Never very be careful. afraid to walk away. That's I agree. Right. You got to look at it. And if your gut's telling you, oh, something, this seems too, too good to be true. It smells like there's perfume in the car. The carpet's replaced. There's rust right. on and hood hinges. That's yep. a sign. Walk away. Run away. Carcoachreports.com on the web. Look her up at Lauren Fix at all forms of social media. Lauren, thank you. Thanks You're, a lot, uh, Always fun to talk to. I'm now going to go and eat worms. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> see, see you next time. We'll be back in just a minute with uh, Carl Brower. Stay with us. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Subaru. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And uh, Subaru's got a new all-electric vehicle out there. Still has symmetrical all-wheel drive. Electric vehicles are taking over the world. Carl Brower joining us from iccars.com. Carl does not know how to deliver bad news. Let's see if he can do it. Carl, you're following Lauren, as you know, and all she had was downer news. Can you bring some bad news so that we can be the bad news bears today? I mean, it's it seems like it's everywhere. It's like it's like mushrooms, like a fungus. It's growing. Bad news everywhere. What do you got for there's us? There's a fun, there's a fungus among us. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, I have some potentially bad news, especially if you bought a Tesla at the wrong point in time in the last say three to six months. But you know, their prices are way down, both for new and used vehicles, mm. and. It's ironic because electric vehicles actually are doing much better. Like the Nissan Leaf has got one of the worst reputations for losing a bunch of its value after it was sold because electric vehicles, they come up with all those incentives when you first buy them. So those come right off the value of the car on the used market. Right. And you lose $7,500 off the MSRP right off the bat. Right. So all electric vehicles tend to lose a lot of value after purchase. And then older ones that are really not that competitive by today's standards, i.e. Nissan Leaf, lose even more of their value more quickly, except... All of them are doing really well, and that's because of the fuel prices from the past year that we all know have made people reconsider large vehicles and also reconsider electric vehicles that help them try to escape these fuel prices. Yes, but, but, but well, exactly. Now the price of electricity is going up, and the availability right. of electricity is becoming more scarce. In other words, if you own a Tesla, I think it was you that told me, you're in Southern California, didn't they say don't charge your vehicle between, you know, uh, whatever peak time is? I don't know, whatever time it was. Yeah, they were asking for that the last time we had one of our regular, uh, you know, power questions Unreal. about whether or not we have enough energy. So they have those issues repeatedly down here, and, and uh, they also want us all to drive nothing but electric vehicles by 2030. So it's a bit of a confusing pathway we've got a thread here. Drive only electric vehicles, but don't charge them. 
But the bottom line is, in the midst of all of this, Teslas have been losing value. They lost a whole bunch of value wow. between like August and December. And then they lost a bunch more value in like two weeks in January, I should say, because the new legislation came out and you couldn't cost more than $55,000 as a new vehicle unless you were an SUV. And then you couldn't cost more than $80,000. And there used to be no price cap, as you know. Mm. And a lot of people, I think, rightfully said, you know, those federal credits for electric vehicles sure helped a lot of rich people buy Teslas, you know, when they were buying 100, 110, $150,000 Tesla Model S's. It's like, yeah, those are the people who really need help getting a car, you know. But now they're trying to make it so it actually pertains to mainstream consumers. And that forced Elon to lower his prices on, like, the Model Y and on the Model 3 to get them under these price points. And he didn't just lower it by a little. I heard it was like 20% or something crazy. It was crazy. And if you just bought a Tesla right before he did that, Mm. you know, how would you like to have walked out the door paying $67,000 for your Model 3 and find out two weeks later they're now $55,000 to get under the price. or less. And we talked about this a few weeks back when this first came out. And it was like, you know, if that happened to me, I would be back, I'd be crawling up their rear end saying, hey, 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 this is not right. But I guess there's nothing that the consumer can do. Because if they choose to lower their price, they lower their price. Look, they're adding. I called a good example here. I called my friend today and I said, hey, I got a friend that wants a Z06 Corvette. And the guy goes, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you and about a billion other. And then I said, all right, but I got a friend that also wants one of these new Cadillac Escalade. I don't even know about it yet. I mean, I I guess I heard about it. The newest Cadillac Escalade, they're asking $100,000 over window sticker for online because they're so hard to get. I said, who does that? I guess it's one of those things if you have to ask how much, you can't afford it. So it's the people that are buying them that have so much money that they're like, I don't care. Just get me one. I want it. And, and, yes. and maybe it's the, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't know, what are the people that bought crypto? That uh, There was one friend posted something. He says, last year I went from being worth uh, $50,000 to $43 million back to like $80,000 in a year and a half's time on crypto because of, I don't know whether it was, you know, whatever it was, but this is what happened. People all of a sudden, they buy something, you know, like on the stock market and it goes crazy high and they don't get out. So they don't get to win. But there are people that actually get out. My son, one of my boys bought something, uh, some, I don't know, I don't know, something online for $4,000 he spent. And the stock went up and he said it was worth, like $130,000 for like a minute. And then it went right back down and it went down to being less than $4,000. So he lost money for one minute or so. He was watching going, I'm rich. And he didn't sell. <laughs> and right. that's, that's just, but there's people that do sell. Then they go out and they spend ridiculous amounts on these, these newer vehicles. So we are living in a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, hang on. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, and it's, tr- it's true. And, and, you know, when you lower the prices on new cars, guess what it does to used cars? It makes them less, too, because yeah, people say, well, right. why would I buy the used version if the new one costs this much? So the used prices for Teslas have really tanked mm. between August and, like, now. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back, Carl Brower from iccars.com. The, the changing rules for the AV tax, EV tax credits is what we're talking about here. Carl has a little more information on that because I know we haven't got to it yet. We'll be right back. It's The Drive. Get some heavy rest. 
Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Carl Brower joining us. He is an executive analyst with iccars.com. Check it out. And we're talking about the changing rules for EV tax credits and how poorly this legislation was written by people that clearly don't know what they are doing. Carl Brower now joining us. Carl, um... So, yes, we were talking about Tesla there a little bit. Just pick it up wherever you'd like. Well, Tesla, you know, lowered the prices because of this EV legislation that was part of this creatively named, I would say, Inflation Reduction Act. You know? Right, and, right. Uh, you have to keep in mind that, uh, as, as various commentators accurately say, whenever the government calls a bill something, you can be confident it does the opposite. But anyways... So we were supposed to be reducing inflation with all these efforts, and one of them was to supposedly get all these incentives into buy electric cars. And they screwed up on so many things, right? So they just figured out that they were using different EPA standards. You know, there's different standards within the EPA. It's not like, oh, that's between the EPA and NHTSA or the safety or something. Like that. No, within EPA, there's different standards for what defines an SUV. And they were using one set of standards, and things like the Cadillac Lyric, which Cadillac clearly wants to be thought of as a crossover slash SUV, was not considered an SUV. Mm. And so it didn't make the $80,000 cap in its price, or it would have made the $80,000 cap in its price. I think it's like a $65,000 starting price, but it had to be under 55 because it wasn't considered an SUV by that version of EPA standards. So then they had to go to the other version of the EPA standards that gets the Cadillac Lyric electric car back in under the uh, SUV definition so what, what is the same thing happening with teslas what does cadillac say does cadillac call it an suv just curious yes cadillac absolutely i mean every yeah. car company you know i mean alan you and i've watched this kind of dance around what cars are called and what they're considered and all. i remember the 2001 or 2000 pt cruiser and you know it was supposed to be considered a truck because you could pull the rear seats completely out of it and stuff and that got it a different epa standard for fuel efficiency didn't they call it a long time ago like the chicken tax or there was something yes yes and and mercedes has to play a whole game 
They ship cars over to the U.S. They, they ship their vans, their uh, their Sprinter vans, whatever, over to the U.S. Right. without seats in them. And then the seats get installed once they're here because if they came over with seats already in them, they wouldn't be considered trucks. They'd be considered passenger vehicles, and they'd have a different EPA. It's <laughs> taxation and all. So in the case of this legislation, yeah, they had to redefine the definition of an SUV to align more closely with what car companies were trying to define as SUVs. And in the original definition, the seven-passenger version, three-row version of the Model Y Tesla was an SUV, but the five-passenger, two-row version was not. And that was one of the reasons he had to lower the price of the Model Y so much. And then, of course, they just figured this out like days ago. And what did Tesla do when that happened? He bumped his price back up a couple thousand. So literally the price went like from, you know, in the sixties or something or high sixties down into like the fifties and then back up to like 57 because they got the better uh, definition from the EPA in a matter of weeks, this happened. So again, if you were buying a Tesla, depending on when you bought it and how much you paid, you might've been very unhappy or very happy. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, Right. Uh, Kind of that that knife cuts both ways. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. But then, you know, again, it's just kind of a mess because, if these guys can't figure out what this, this legislation is going to do and how quickly it's going to take effect, they're still waffling on how the percentage of battery components is going to be defined, right? Because you have to have the car assembled here, and then you have to have a certain percentage of the battery components assembled here to get the full 7,500. And they're already waffling on that. And the reason they're waffling is because they were dumb. The government was dumb, first time ever, by the way. They created this legislation saying that all these standards had to be met, and then they just put them in place, like, overnight. And it's like, guys, I love the idea of encouraging U.S. versus Chinese production of batteries. Great. Love it. Perfect. Let's do it. Don't start it in months after you alert the public that's what you're thinking. Do you know what it takes to redo supply chains and assembly factories and mining operations and all? You can't do it in months. So they should have said by 2024, 2025, 2026, pick the realistic time frame. This percentage of batteries has to be coming from within the U.S. or they won't qualify for the set. But they started it on January 1st when they announced it all like in October. And surprise, surprise, a bunch of cars fell off the eligibility thing because they can't relocate battery production and mining in a matter of four months. Well, you know, the, I just uh, Lauren just sent me, uh, she was just on the show, she just sent me a meme, and it's the uh, little Geico, um, Gecko, I guess he is. It says, uh, I just yep. saved $25,000 on a new EV battery by buying a gasoline engine car. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> right. you know, everybody has, they make memes right. out of everything. It's like, if something goes wrong in the world, there's a meme made in a matter of minutes. <laughs> But the funniest one was when they had the stupid uh, spy balloon going over the United States. I have seen every kind of thing underneath the balloon, you know, cupcakes, you got, uh, Hunter Biden in his underwear hanging there. I mean, it's like I couldn't believe how many memes got made, but it's just a it, what a funny new part favorite, of life. My favorite one was the sign on the side that said, we've been trying to contact you about your vehicle. Since <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my, and I can't tell you some of them are nasty, but they're just funny. Um, so, so the good news about the changing rules of the EV tax credit, is there like uh, something that you could say, well, here's the good news, just to, because it's kind of mind-boggling how many different rules and things there are, you know? The good news is someday we should be making far more of our cars and the components that power the cars, be they, be they engines or batteries, 
on U.S. soil, Alan. It's a crazy okay. concept. I know who the hell wants exactly. to pay U.S. workers to assemble things that U.S. people buy, but I think we're going to give it a try. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. All right, we will take a break. Carl also has uh, other things he talks about besides EVs, but uh, I don't know if that's actually going to happen today because that seems to be the news that everybody is talking about is all the electric vehicles and there's a lot of them. So I guess that is the news of the the day, if you know what I'm saying. Just lots of stuff. All right. Carl Brower, iccars.com. Is there anything on iccars about any of this stuff we just talked about, Carl? We did two pricing studies about vehicle used vehicle pricing that reflected the drop in overall used pricing, which, by the way, is coming down finally after years, okay. and the specific drops in Tesla pricing, which is off by a bunch. Both okay. those pricing studies are up on iccars right now. You can okay, both. perfect. iccars.com. You can find them. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. This message comes to you from our sponsor Subaru and their first SUV of its kind, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Solterra, built to help protect the environment so it can be explored. It's the first electric vehicle to feature the legendary standard capability of symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you to places traditional electric vehicles can't reach. Love is now electric. Learn more at Subaru.com slash Solterra. Well, there we have it. Electric cars everywhere. One for you, one for you, one for you. Uh, every kind of imaginable electric car these days i don't think it's bad as long as they keep making gasoline internal combustion engines diesel engines and anything else and adding to it you know hydrogen and natural gas and it's like make them all just don't force any particular one down my neck carl brower joining us carl i know that you have driven something that you are not supposed to talk about because there's an embargo on it but i am going to force you Tell me about it now. Can you talk about uh, it? <laughs> uh, the thumb screws. Stop, stop. Um, so, well, you, you introduced it perfectly because what I drove recently that I can't give you this driving impressions of, but can talk about the other things that relate to what you just said, was the 2024 Maserati Gran Turismo oh, that uh, will be coming nice. to uh, dealers in uh, roughly April for the traditional gasoline-powered one, and then in the second half of 2023, an electric version one. Surprise, surprise, Alan, oh you would never boy. believe. Oh but boy. they're going to do exactly what you just said. They're going to have this very cool, sleek two-door coupe with four-plus-four seating, including a functional rear seat that I sat in behind a six-foot adult in front of me, and I'm six feet, and we both fit. So incredibly efficient packaging in this two-door coupe that still looks very low and sleek and, and, and swoopy. But they're doing what you just said. There's a purely traditional gasoline version, actually two different uh, versions of that in terms of horsepower. And there's a pure electric version. So you can pick which drivetrain you want within the same model line. And well, I think that's brilliant. That that's the way is, I like to see electrification. Yes. 
that's the way they should do it. I mean, it's like perfect. Look at yeah. Ford Motor Company with the Lightning F-150. It looks pretty much like the other ones. And if you want, yep. if you're a municipality and you want an electric vehicle, well, it must be for the guy that's the boss, but you can buy this truck and, you know, it works great because you know exactly how far you're going to go. And there's a million reasons why, you know, cities and, and, and uh, gosh, you know, businesses like uh, businesses that do deliveries and they're within a five mile range. There's a million reasons for electric vehicles. I get it. But I also like the fact that Ford makes they, I don't know if they still make an F-150 with a diesel, but they had a nice V6 diesel for a little bit. They had the uh, two different versions of the uh, V6, the two-point whatever it was and the three-point whatever it is. You know what I mean? The uh, EcoBoost. I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just uh, being vague. And then they also made a V8 <laughs> version, right? Because it keeps right. changing, so you never know exactly what it is. But that's what we need is options. I love options. Yes. You know? Well, as I always like to say... Why would you have a toolbox and say, you know this tool here? I've got like all these different range of tools. You see this tool here? I'm going to make sure I'm never allowed to use that tool anymore. I'm just going to limit myself. It'll just be fun. See if I can work on the car still. I'm just taking this tool away. Why would you do that? Why yeah. would you take away one of the tools you can use to solve problems? Well, so, either that or eliminate literally half of your tools. And then, right. and then one day, like half of them. yeah, you actually <laughs> go, okay, so I'm taking half my toolbox and I'm going to just guess. And I'm going to take yeah. half of my tools away. I'm not going to need these anymore because I'm going to have an electric car. I'm just using an electric car. So you get rid of all these different things. And all of a sudden, something very mechanical breaks down that you need to use your hardcore mechanical, you know, everyday workaday Joe tools that you just thought you wouldn't use anymore. Now you're stuck. <laughs> so it's good right. to have a variety. I have tools I haven't used in years, Carl. Years. But the other day, somebody says, do you have this brake adjustment tool? And I go, yes. Yes, I do. I was so happy. And then it, and then it wasn't the right one. I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> but he well, was going to borrow it. Just throw all those old tools out, Alan. Just throw them out. You'll never need them. Come on. Yeah, I know. Just throw them out. Hey, Carl, have you ever seen my toolbox? I'll send you a picture of it. It's 10 feet wide, 7 feet tall, and it literally has shock absorbers on it because it weighs, I'm going to guess it weighs 3 tons, just so you know. It's big. Well, remember, I, I Craftsman was a sponsor for years, and I had almost every tool Craftsman made. So, uh, yeah, I love tools. Oh, I love tools. And I hate it when I don't have the right tool. It really, it's, it's a thing of pride with men, as you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, you're right. I like having the option. So when are you going to be able to talk about this Gran Turismo, by the way? Very soon, like uh, another week, you okay. know, actually another right. few days of your show coming out and I'll be able to talk about it. Okay. So, so we'll maybe talk about it next time. There you but go. It's, it's a cool car. I can tell you that it looks good. I tell you it has a beautiful interior. And it's got very impressive horsepower figures that have already been released. So All right. I'll go into the specifics next time. Okay. So other than that, as far as electric cars, anybody else doing this where they're making a gas and an electric on a similar or same platform besides Ford Motor? I'm talking supercar stuff, you know, the hot dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, then you look at something like the McLaren Artura, which is a supercar that I just drove recently, and it's a hybrid. It's only made in hybrid form. See, I think that's um, smart. But, but it's really well done, Alan. I mean... I normally am not a fan of having multiple drivetrains in high-performance cars because it's more weight and more complexity. And right, what you want, right. if you don't remember the Lotus guy telling us, weight is the enemy, right? Oh, Colin yeah. Told us that. That's right. So when you add batteries and motors to a, a performance car but also keep the engine in the fuel tank, it's like, well, you, you're just making the car way more. That's kind of counterintuitive. 
But McLaren came up with such efficient, small battery packs and a crazy small motor. It looks like a disc brake rotor, Alan. Literally, it's about the size of a disc brake rotor, a little bit wider, but about that diameter. And it's a super powerful little motor. And they put this into this McLaren Artura that's otherwise got gas and uh, gasoline and a fuel tank. And it, it weighs like 3,300 pounds, which wow. is pretty dang light that's for a hybrid. Light. Yeah. And it's fast and fun. It's got hydraulic-assisted steering, not electric-assisted steering. Very cool I love car. It. I was I like, okay, I like hybrids now. I, I am a hybrid. I am a hybrid. I like hybrid cars and vehicles. I think they are brilliant. When we come back, we'll talk more with Carl Brower. ICcars.com. That's where you can find a lot of information. We'll be right back. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. If I'd have known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Go Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, thanks to iccars.com for lending us their executive analyst. Happens to be one of my best friends, Carl Brower. <laughs> but yes, thanks to iccars.com. Uh, Carl, <laughs> what is going on with, uh, and I know you guys do a lot of studies over there at iccars.com. What is going on with the price of used cars and just, you know, just the prices of cars? It just seems insane. Maybe you guys have something to talk about there. It's pretty nuts, Alan, when you think about it, that, you know, last numbers I saw, the average new car price was somewhere around $47,000. The average used car price was somewhere around $35,000, $37,000 average new and used car. I mean, half of them are more expensive than that. I'm hearing the average car payments are in the 700s. Now the average car payment, and there's plenty of people paying a thousand dollars a month for their car payment, and it just blows my mind these numbers. Remember, we were just talking about the legislation that was like, well, if it costs less than fifty thousand versus eighty thousand, these are the targets that you, they, that you have to be under, you know, to, to sell your cars and get your incentives. And it's like, do, do people realize how much fifty-five thousand or eighty thousand dollars is for a new car? There's still a large percentage of Americans who cannot go anywhere near those prices for a brand new car. It's, it's sad because I think a lot of people will lose touch with that, but a lot of mainstream consumers, those are just, you know, fantasy land numbers for cars. Right. And I've realized that car pricing has become like what I used to make jokes and have made jokes for years about Disneyland pricing, right? Right. You go look at the average price of a ticket for Disneyland and you know, it used to be 20 and then it was 40 and then it was 60. Now it's like 150 to $200 depending on what day and how, how, what kind of deal you set up. 
And I'm just like, how many people can afford to take themselves and or a family for a hundred plus dollars, 150 plus dollars per head into Disneyland for one day? I know. And I realized there's a reason for their pricing. And that is that there's only so many people Disneyland's allowed in there. There's only so much space for them. There's only so many, you know, fire marshals that will allow more than a certain amount of people there per day. And they're filling it up every day. They fill Disneyland every day. Yeah. And the guys who run Disneyland realized you know, we can fill this place for 70 bucks a head, or we can fill it for 170 a head. What should we do? Either price gets us a full park. What do we do? Well, guess what they did? They went with the 170 number instead because they got the same number of people. There's a backlog of people still waiting at that price. And that's what's happening with cars. Cars and car pricing is, look, we can only make so, car manufacturers, we can only make so many cars and or sell so many cars per year. Do we want to sell our models for an average of 18,000 or 28,000 or 68,000? We make the same amount of cars and process the same amount of sales every year, no matter which of those price ranges we pick, which one are we going to do? And it's manifesting in the dropping of base models. A lot of people have probably noticed, you know, it used to be like three, four, five versions of a car. Now there's two and mm-hmm. neither one of them are the base models. They're the upper mid and, and top line version, not even the mid range, but the upper mid and top versions are available because those are better profit for the dealer and for the manufacturer. To sell. Well, and I think there's and, another, an, another element that we should talk about. Cause I just got a call today from a, a dear friend of both of ours. I'll re- remain nameless to protect the innocent, but his daughter has an Audi Q7, a 2021, and I don't know, something went out and she couldn't drive the car. So she took it in and um, they, you know, six weeks later still have not fixed the car because they can't get apart. This is a right. 2021 Audi Q7. We're talking a $75,000 car probably. But they, I said, well, they probably gave you a, a loaner car, didn't they? And she says, well, not for the first two weeks. She goes, I was just stuck. And she goes, so I... I finally complained. I said, look, if you can't get, fix my car, I, I got to take my girls to soccer and everything else. So the next thing that happened is they gave her a little car that wouldn't work. She had a Q7, which is an SUV, big one. So she had to go rent a car. Now she's been renting a car for a month. They still can't get the parts. So she says, what do I need to do? I, the lemon law? And he, well, the lemon law, you have to have three you know, really inconvenient situations. And this is only the, technically the first one for her. But yeah. now the automakers, because they can't get the parts, are looking like pie on their face. But they can't get the parts. I remember a friend of mine, he uh, he had a test car for Motor Trend Magazine. He was calling me, and I, I go, uh, wow, you got a car finally. He says, yeah, but the power seats don't work. And I went, the power seats don't work. He says, yeah, they want me to test the car, but they say, hey, we can't get these parts. But we thought, we'll just let you drive it. Just please don't mention the cat power seats don't work. So, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know what it was, General Motors or who. I don't even know who it was. That's the dilemma we're in right now. And that's why the price of cars that are out there are going nuts. And it's a real bad dilemma. So I don't know what to say. Final thoughts, Carl. No, it's a mess. And, and that's the thing is that you realize whether you're trying to buy a new car or a used car. It's to the, we're, we're, it's the Disneyland thing. We're down to the point of like, do you have a car that functions? Yes, I'll take it. You know, I want it. There are more people who want cars that function than there are cars that function. So people with cars that function, new or used, can kind of pick whatever they want to sell the car for, and they'll probably be someone to buy it. Ugh. All right. ICcars.com. You can find Carl there and all these studies. I'm Alan Taylor. Thank you, Carl. Thank uh, you. What a crazy world we're in. We'll be right back.
The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Please, can we just take a break from all the electric car talk? That's my <laughs> that's my only request. BJ Colleen joining us. BJ, you are going to be the breath of fresh air <laughs> that I need. I mean, I don't hate electric cars. I just, I, I think it's just so early. My feeling is that it's just so early that there's still a lot of gnashing of teeth going on with the range anxiety and where am I going to get fuel? And so at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have on Mike Austin. Mike is going to talk about, he's from Guidehouse Electronics. He was at Car and Driver. He was at Popular Mechanics, Auto Blog, Hemmings. He's worked all around for the last 20 years. But I saw him at uh, Consumer Electronics Show and I go, dude, why aren't you on my show anymore? And he's like, oh, I don't work for any of the car magazines. I go, but you're at a place that comes up with analytics and stuff, right? And he's like, yeah. And I go, well, I got a lot of questions about the grid and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, well, I'll come on. I miss working with him. He's a really nice guy. So there's still anxiety that goes along with, you know, whether you buy one and then get it later once you realize, oh, my gosh, I, you know, gosh, I don't know. Where to, what am I going to do? You know, that fear when it strikes into your heart because there's just not enough infrastructure yet out there. But it's on its way, like the vehicle to grid, where your car can charge back into the grid and give its energy to the grid when it's needed most. These are things we're going to be talking about at the bottom there. But the breath of fresh air I need right now is hot rods, <laughs> roadsters. Well, before, we get, before yeah. we get to hot rods, yeah. ask him about, I just saw an article about the infrastructure kind of crumbling, that people aren't maintaining you know, the electrical charge stations across the country. And so when people pull up, half of them aren't working. So oh, not, boy, that's nice. I know. <laughs> oh, he's going to talk about batteries and making batteries. And he said to me when we talked, he said, there's a, not a lot of good news. I, got to, I go, well, you know what? What's new? What's new? There is no yeah. good news. Although you've got good news. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll bring it back to hot rods. <laughs> yeah, hot rods are always good news. The Roadster <laughs> Show. You went to the L.A. Roadster Show, the Grand National. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the Grand National Roadster Show. This is actually the 73rd year for the Grand National Roadster Show. It's a, it's a tradition that's been going on. It actually started in Oakland, and then it transferred down to Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, basically... What they do at the Grand National Roadster Show is that they choose a vehicle that becomes America's most beautiful roadster. And it's really amazing how beautiful these cars are. But uh, there were nine roadsters that competed this year. And all of them are Ford roadsters. There was a 1927. There was a 29. There was a 36. But the rest of them were 1932 because that really kind of is the, you know, the year of Ford roadsters. So and they were just amazingly 
beautiful vehicles across all kinds of different makers and just people that, that create these things. And, and I actually posted some on the Facebook page for the radio show. Thank you. So if I you want to check that. them out. Yeah. Yep. Go check them out. And I probably should do the Al Sloniker ones too. I took those on Sunday to get those. But the winner this year for the Grand National Roadster Show was Jack Chisenhall. And Jack Chisenhall's been around for a long time and he had a beautiful black 32 Roadster, just absolutely gorgeous. But every vehicle there was absolutely stunning. Yeah. And then the second award that they give out is the Al Sloniker Award. It's a memorial award in memory of the founder of Grand National Roadster Show was Al Sloniker. And these are people that build cars that are not roadsters. It's anything else. And there were just everything from a 57 Bel Air to a 29 Ford Coupe to a Buick Sedan Ed of 49. There was a 56 Chevy Nomad in there. But the winner was a vehicle by George Ela Costas. I hope I say his name right. It was a 1960 Buick Invicta. And it was absolutely stunning. It was a, a beautiful green, like a bright green but the detail work on this vehicle was just second to none. And I saw that car. And, you know, the Roadster was a little harder to predict. But I saw that Invicta and I said, that's going to win the Al Sloniker Award. <laughs> and it did. But it was just amazing. There, there's a whole area, a whole building. And this takes place at the LA County Fairgrounds. And it was open to the public. And the first day, Alan, the weather was beautiful. It was just perfect. I, it was just gorgeous. And I know that we're coming up on break real yeah. soon. but. Let's talk about this as we come back. All right. There's a lot of stuff to talk. Well, I know that you're also going to talk about the NLLC, uh, and I'm, I'm, it doesn't get enough press. The uh, National Linoleum Laying Competition. You know, these guys, they know how to lay linoleum. It's, it's amazing how fast they can do it. BJ's got a full report of the uh, National Linoleum Laying Competition. Is that right, BJ? Close. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Yeah. You guys don't hear about this very often. The National Linoleum Layers Competition. Um, it's, wow, there was 30, I don't know, at least 35 people there. BJ Colleen was there. Uh, BJ, uh, you have a report for us? Uh, pretty exciting uh, stuff. Yeah, I do, but everything would not be uh, politically <laughs> or, or you know correct 
because I just tell dirty jokes about laying linoleum. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one that should be covering. I love messing with you. You know that. Anyway, the America, yes, I do. The America's after most. After all these years, I would know it. Yeah, America's most beautiful roadster. The acronym is AMBER, A-M-B-R, America's Most Beautiful Roadster, the AMBER Award. Somebody joked about how big it is. It's a big. Oh, it's like, it's got to be eight feet tall. This award is absolutely huge. Huge. It's just ginormous. And, <laughs> and the people don't get to take it home. They take a, like a scale model of one home, but they get to put their name on the trophy. It's kind of like. I guess if you've seen the Indy 500 trophy, right, right. it's real close to that size, too, because it's funny. really big, so That's it's kind of nice. But So the, it was at the L.A. Fairgrounds, at the Pomona Fairgrounds, and uh, lots of buildings there, and there was the Suede Palace, which is all the 50 stuff, and usually, I didn't see it that much this time, but usually you see the girls walking around just in the rockabilly outfits, and I saw maybe a couple of them, but not as many as last year. There was an homage to the 50 years of trucks, so they had some really, really cool trucks. Every square inch of that place is just covered in cars. So no matter where you walk down, it's car after car after car after car. And some yeah. really, really cool cars. And it's just, I don't know what the total number of vehicles is there, but it's just absolutely astronomical. It takes a good five hours to just walk around it. And then you go back and look at the ones you want to see, right. you know, up close and in detail. These are, but, these are a bucket list events for anybody that has a love of kind of the muscle cars and hot rods and roadsters. And, you know, because you can be a truck person and still go to the LA roadster show because yeah. you look at the artwork and the, the craftsmanship and the, just the, the beauty of these works of art is really what they are that you can drive, which is what's better than that. But you know, I was thinking about this while you're talking, you know who I met at the, uh, the grand national roadster show, LA roadster show. I met Ed justice jr. There. I was just thinking where, oh. who I thought I met somebody and it, it was probably 25 years ago is when I met Ed. And you know who introduced me? Barry McGuire. Yeah. Oh, man. There Isn't that go. funny? Huh. Yeah. And so, I, you know, Barry, you know, I spent a lot of time with him because they sponsored the show for a long time. And McGuire's Car Wax, I still have. I still use it. I still, and I'm friends with Barry and the rest. But Ed has kind of become like my brother. So you go to these events, you meet people, and they become lifelong friends. And what's interesting is, you know, to, this is how you used to meet people. Today, you put a picture of some good-looking man or woman. In my case, I'd put a picture of a really handsome man on some website and say it was me and try and attract some really, you know, cute girl. But she would be, you know, like a 75-year-old woman that had a picture <laughs> of a cute girl there. <laughs> You guys are catfishing each other. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I know. But you're, but you're right. Anybody who's everybody in the car business comes to this show. Um, you know, you're talking Chip Foose and Troy Chapani, oh, and yeah. I saw Bobby Alloway yeah. and Roy Brizio, who is like Brizio Street Rods. It's just absolutely amazing. And I ran into Joe Coddington, who I'm hoping to get on the show, you know, yeah. Boyd's wife. Yeah, Boyd, Boyd Coddington's wife. Show. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. She's wonderful, wonderful. We'll get lady. her on. And we'll we get just, her on the show. Yeah, everybody in the in the industry is just an absolute blast. But a little bit about the winning car. Jack Chisenhall has a shop in San Antonio, and he's been designing and, and building vehicles down there forever. It was inspired by Tony Capana's Dodge powered Indy car, and uh, Chisenhall it called it the Champ Deuce, and a really absolutely amazing vehicle. The detail in that vehicle. Now mm. the Invicta that won the Al Sonica Award. 
basically featured a supercharged Buick 401 Nailhead V8. It had a custom hardback bucket seats with custom pearlized leather and woven aircraft carpeting. I mean, they was paying homage to the B-52 Stratofortress. And it's just, I mean, I can't even describe how beautiful it is. Maybe I'll post some more pictures on yeah. the website after this because yeah, it was nice. absolutely stunning. But, I mean, it's a show not to be missed. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, usually at the beginning of February and the January every year. And it is truly one of the most fun things you can ever go to in the car business. Cool. So, love cool, it. Cool. All right. Well, we're yeah. going to take another break. When we come back, I'm glad you had fun because that is, that's a fun thing. Um, yep. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to go back to the electric car thing. I know. <laughs> this is where I turn into Eeyore and just walk away sad because I don't really care about it. Electric car stuff. A-E-R, yeah. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, and their first SUV of its kind, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Solterra, built to help protect the environment so it can be explored. It's the first electric vehicle to feature the legendary standard capability of symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you to places traditional electric vehicles can't reach. Love is now electric. Learn more at Subaru.com slash Solterra. This is... The Drive with Alan Taylor. PJ Colleen joining me, automotive journalist extraordinaire for, uh, I think, three years now. So, uh, what's it been? Three? Is this fourth year? I don't want to get it wrong. For what? Being an automo- automotive journalist. No, just a- uh, If you add a zero, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, dear. You know what's funny? I remember, BJ, when I first... When I started working with Motor Trend, I don't know, it was 96. And I remember thinking automotive journalists are so bitter. They're so mean. They say mean things about cars. <laughs> you know? Yes. And, I, and, and mean things about the, the car makers. That's so wrong. And then I became one of those people. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> well, you know what it is. Um, I and I, and that's why I don't mind when somebody says, you know, gives me their opinion on a particular car that they love. That I just I, after I pull my finger out of the back of my throat um, <laughs> with vomit on my hand, I go, all right, look, I understand you like the Gremlin, but um, <laughs> there was a lot of reasons why it was not a great car. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, there's just we fall in love with things. Who knows? Only God knows why we like one car over another, one person over another, one flavor over another. There's a lot of science in, involved. There's a lot of uh, chemical you know, reactions going on in the brain, electronics in your mind and the heart beating in your chest. It's, it's, we're all different, but I realized that at a certain point, there was a lot going on behind the scenes in the car industry that the average person just really doesn't understand. No, they don't. I talked about it with Carl a little bit in in the last hour, by the way, is Audi is having some real issues getting parts to fix some of their newer cars 
but they're not the only ones. They're all having problems. And here's yep. another one. I I needed to, a friend of mine had a Range Rover that needed a turbocharger on it because the wastegate must have got stuck or something. And somehow this thing, the turbocharger just grenaded on a 2016 Range Rover. No one wants yeah. to work on it. They yeah. just no, not not gonna no way. And then the, finally they found the one guy that would. And he wanted almost $6,000 to, uh, to do this job. And I have a young guy working for me, and he goes, oh, I could do that. So we, we priced out a turbo, and from the dealer, it was $2,800. I want you to know I found an aftermarket one for $289. Wow. Got to do research. Yes. You, you got research. it. You know, and my friend who, who told me about it, so we looked at all the comments, and this engine is also used in a Ford product, the engine that had the turbo on it that it grenaded in a Range Rover. So it's just, we don't know what we don't know. And when I'm talking about being bitter, this business and being a mechanic or being a linoleum layer, after a certain point of time, you can become very bitter. And I don't want to be bitter because I, I love cars, but I'll tell you what. There's a lot of things in life that can make you bitter, but this, the key is to not become bitter, but to become better. I know you Aww. have some information on a company that I know very little about. You're going to have like three and a half minutes to give a report on this company called VinFast. What is a VinFast? I know you know, and I know too, but what's happening there? Electric Well, I, I, I call this story Vin not so fast. Ah. And the reason behind that, well, number one, VinFast, you know, all the electric companies are upstarts and are coming up now. This one is from Vietnam, and we had never seen cars from Vietnam in the U.S. before, so they're trying to do it. But what's interesting is they just cut 80 jobs in North America, including the chief financial officer. So what does that say? Because they haven't even started to sell cars here, that they're already restructuring and laying off people in Canada and the U.S. What does that say to you, Alan? <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> yeah i know so what's going on here were they trying to build up in case they're going to do an ipo or something like that taking the stock listing you know public and then they made it look good i, I remember when we sold off peterson publishing they hired a bunch of middle managers and upper end people to make it look like it was really good you know for all peterson publishing yeah and as soon as they sold the company gone everybody was gone right so crazy. Uh, so lots to keep an eye on it. Yeah, it's you know coming into this market is not an easy one. I was uh, no. when Hyundai came in, I thought, oh, they're not going to make it. They're not going to. And and but you know what? Look at them today. So it's it's hard yep. to ju judge a book by its cover. And uh, you know Tesla had uh, some bumpy starts, and you know oh, oh the guy's richest man in the world right now, I think. But so. We don't know, but we watch, and boy, it's hard not to become bitter. We used to do the whole thing, I hate Tesla, or was it I hate Elon Musk? I can't remember. And, uh, yeah. But it's fun. We do it in fun, but being an automotive journalist, it's not easy. You know, you don't get paid really good money for doing this job. You do it out of passion, and um, it's like this song right here. Money for nothing and your car is for free, but you got to give them back. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely do. You're absolutely right. <laughs> That's right. All right, BJ, thank you. Thanks, um, Mike Austin coming up next. He's an analyst for uh, Guidehouse Insights. And um, this stuff he's going to talk about, 
is very important for you to know as you're thinking about buying an electric car because there's some really great ones out there. I mean, my goodness, Subaru makes them now. General Motors has got a thousand horsepower Hummer. You got all the automakers, Volvo, they're all making nice cars, but you got to really do your research on the infrastructure, batteries. What does it really mean to our ecology and economy? He'll talk about that. It is The Drive. We'll be right back with more. Stay with us. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. All across America and on about 100 radio stations. Podcast for your enjoyment um, on many of the podcast places. Or you can simply go right straight to thedrivewithalantaylor.com. That's a lot of stuff to type in. Um, Anyway... Mike Austin joining us. Haven't talked to Mike Austin in a long time. He's a uh, senior research analyst at Guidehouse Insights. So I bump into Mike Austin uh, at the, uh, I think it was a consumer electronics show. And we were like, hey, man, what have you been doing? So Guidehouse Research or Guidehouse Insights, what, what is that, Mike? We're a market research firm, and part of what we do is support Guidehouse the larger org, which is a consulting company. Gotcha. But then we also just do all kinds of studies and reports and insights, which is you know, part of the title, into decarbonization. So I'm on the mobility team. We also have people that work on smart buildings and smart cities and the utility and the grid. Mm. But basically, the insights team is a, a bunch of you know, really smart people that spend all their time analyzing ways to make things more efficient. I need more smart people on my show. That's why I chose to reach out here like this, right? So, <laughs> uh, Well, you've, you've made a mistake by having me. <laughs> Here's my question for you, though. One of the things that is interesting to me, and it's been coming for a while, and then we just kind of stopped talking about it, which is V2X, which is vehicle-to-grid, home backup, and all those types of things, virtual power plants, V to X, maybe you could give us a little guidehouse insights on that. Yeah, it's really a fascinating thing to me because when we're looking at EVs and electrification, one of the first things people say is, oh, we don't have enough grid power to support charging all those cars. That's right. And That's what I would and say. That's, yeah. 
<laughs> There's ways to get around that, but one of the things you can do is you can turn that from a liability into an asset because you have all these batteries driving around on the roads. It's all this power capacity, and most people only drive, I think the, the national average is still something like 40 miles a day. So you've got 250 miles in your car. You're sitting on you know more than 50% of your battery every day, and if you could give some of that power to the grid at you know three o'clock or from three to seven when everyone gets home and runs their air conditioner and then charge the car overnight when everybody's gone to sleep and isn't using their power as much mm. all of a sudden like i said you've taken that liability into an asset so evs could either break the grid or fix the grid <laughs> and mm. and v to g or different forms of v to x could make that fix the grid happen so that's that's the amazing thing for me is that you know it only takes a few thousand cars to equal, uh, you know, on a temporary basis, it only takes a few thousand cars to equal the capacity of, you know, like a small power plant. And if you only need it for a couple hours, battery electric vehicles and even home batteries are really good at that. You know, if you need to power it over and over, (laughs) you're going to have to charge the batteries somehow. And then actually there's another piece too. Same thing. You have solar at home or you have solar somewhere in the grid. A lot of times, that's pumping out energy in the middle of the day, which might not be peak electrical usage. So why not take, instead of dumping that energy or paying people to take it, all of a sudden we can charge some cars in the middle of the day and, again, draw it back out when we have peak demand. So this is actually really interesting. I saw something on, like, I don't know, Facebook Marketplace. I'm always looking to buy all kinds of weird stuff. And here was a guy selling his his solar panels that were mounted on, you know, like a pole. And he had, um, he had a kind of a small solar thing. And I, ugh, I just can't remember how many kilowatts or whatever it was, but I thought to myself, look at this, this is not bad. This is kind of smart to have this kind of, you know, it's like, it's, it was like two, I think he wanted 2,200 for a complete system. I'm like $2,200. I thought that was like 25,000 bucks. Well, and so it says in there, he says, nothing wrong with this system. It's one year old. I'm just upgrading. I need a bigger system. So this would work maybe for a, a small house of, a, you know, 1,000 or 1,200 square feet to a couple of grand. I'm like, that's got to be a bargain. But what you're saying is, okay, let's say if we could really, really figure this thing out to where if there's going to be all these electric cars, which all we've been talking about on the show today is electric cars. It's like, oh, enough of this stuff already. But if we could figure it out and you have the V to G vehicle back to grid and then you're using the sun, maybe solar, to charge these vehicles and then the cars become a a storage place for energy that are being used, like you said, at the peak time, then you got something there, I think. But I don't think personally Human beings are going to work together that well. They're going to be like, no, I got to have my electricity. What happens if I got to go to get a bottle of vodka in the middle of the night? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason. But how could it be that we could take advantage of this V to G? Is it all, is it data driven? Is it, How do you determine when, where, and how? I, I just, this seems like such an, a daunting task. So, yeah, that it is daunting. Like, you know, I gave you the, like, the, best the case. sort of yeah. rosy, right. yeah, rosy best case. Like, hey, we can change things. The bad news is it's it's really tricky. It involves a lot of moving parts, and right. a lot of those pieces aren't there yet. Yeah, you yeah. know, so yeah. for starters, you need a car that can do bi-directional charging. 
Well, in the U.S., that's basically the Nissan Leaf and the Ford Lightning. Um, so there's, you know, some cars have that capability built in and they might unlock it sooner. There's cars that are coming on the way that are going to be able to do it, but the cars don't do it right now. And one of the reasons the cars don't do it right now is that the charging port, that DC fast charge, the CCS, that standard is, is not totally, you know, there's no way to sort of just say, okay, we've certified to this certain thing. And it's going to work with every bidirectional charger and it's going to work with all these other systems. Like that doesn't exist yet. So the automakers need to get together and work on that with the equipment providers. And then, you know, that charging equipment and your inverter that, that runs it from the battery to your house, to the grid that has to all coordinate with the grid. The grids need to figure out, you know, yeah, how are we going to manage this? And then how are we going to tell people, you know, like on your phone and say, Hey, we could use some power tomorrow. Can you plug in from this time? Here's how much we're going to pay you. Um, there's all of these pieces have yet to fall into place. So, right, right, right. Uh, it's it, it is it's pretty daunting. At the same time, I think that um, you're going to see. You know, there's some use cases where we've already seen some potential for it. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of people are looking at school buses as a great example because All right, hold on, hold on. This, this is okay. good because there's so much to talk about here. Let me take a break. We'll come back and talk more about this V to X, V to G, W X Y Z. You're listening to the drive. We'll be right back. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. Our show brought to you in part by Subaru. And they have their brand new electric car. Um, I'll tell you, electric cars are just uh, everywhere. Their new all-electric 2023 Subaru Solterra. Still with symmetrical all-wheel drive. Um, Mike Austin joining us, and we're talking about this very important subject because... Look, we're going to have uh, a lot more electric cars than I think we ever bargained for. We might as well learn about what we can do with them with vehicle to grid and vehicle to, uh, what is it, uh, vehicle to grid and smart roads and all uh, just all these things. But you were, Mike, you were talking about Mike Austin from uh, Guidehouse Insights. I had to cut you off because there was a commercial break and you were boring me. No, no, I'm joking. I'm playing with you. <laughs> but when you start talking about school buses and things that have a specific job, the municipalities, a word I'm going to use, I'm going to get in trouble for, meter maids. Remember when they used to call them meter maids? Well, when the guy rides by on the little moped, I go, hey, meter maid. And I know the guy. And he always, you know, he, he always wants to chase me and hit me. <laughs> but... There's meter jobs. You know, people are reading the meters in the street. They could use electric scooters even, for goodness sake. It doesn't matter. But when the vehicle has a particular job and we, through companies like yours, that know the insights of how much electricity it's going to take, if it, like a school bus, could have a, 
that they could have a doggone solar panel on the roof of that thing charging the the uh, electricity, you know, or where they park, they could have parking, um, you know, like um, I've seen them before. Where in like Arizona, they do this everywhere. The parking area that you don't want your car in the direct sun, so you pull underneath a little, not a garage, but just a, a roof, and on the roof is solar panels. And it's to me, this is brilliant stuff. And if we're going to have to have electric cars all the time, then they really got to put this infrastructure, this charging infrastructure, and this vehicle to grid, back to grid, so that they can, while the car's sitting out in the parking lot and it's full, guess what? It can draw some electricity out of it. I think this stuff is brilliant. It's going to take time, though. But continue on. You were talking about the school bus part of it. Yeah, so, you know, the big question is, where is it going to start? Like, where are we going to figure out a way to make vehicle-to-grid work so that we can say, look, EVs can contribute instead of being the problem? And so one place is school buses, because they typically sit all summer, right when everyone's using their air conditioners. They have big batteries. It's very easy for them to uh, to hook it up. So there's a lot of a lot of work around that. But the, the main point being, where we're going to see this vehicle-to-grid stuff is going to start in fleets, things like school buses or delivery fleets or, you know, places that have commercial cars. So you have a, a bunch of cars or a bunch of vehicles and, you know, it's centrally managed. You're not sort of rolling the dice on hoping everyone comes home and plugs in and figures out the app. Right. And, um, and then there's other things like on a single building, right? You can use it to, when people buy commercial power, they, they basically pay for the demand. So if you have you know, if you're running your welder or something or all your welders at once, right. you have a big spike in power, you pay more for electricity. So you can hook up a car to your building and lower that peak for that, you know, couple hours. Ah. You can save enough money to maybe pay for the car. So those are the places we're going to see vehicle to X start. And I think the, the Ford Lightning with its with the home backup, you know, that might get more capabilities as we go. And that could, you know, show people and, and move things really quickly. But we're still like, more than five years out on, on really, you know, we're seeing news stories now, but until it's like your neighborhood community center is being powered by an EV, uh, you know, that's probably more like five years out. So let's talk about the actual charging infrastructure as it is today in like three minutes before the next commercial break. You know, you said it in the beginning, we first started and we, I talk about it with my friends all the time that live in California if you own a Tesla in California, you got an, uh, an email or a text or a letter in the mail saying, hey, don't charge during these hours. What are they going to do about that? And, and how long is it going to take before it can really withstand the amount of draw against the infrastructure for the charging of cars? First off, every utility is looking at this and trying to solve it. I think the main answer is probably going to be some sort of incentive called managed charging. So they're going to you know, you're going to say, charge it whenever you need to. I need to leave by eight. Just make sure it's charged. Right. And you don't worry about that. Or, you know, you have enough battery that, you know, maybe you can take a day off or something. But the only problem comes when a bunch of people plug in at the same time. Right. So it really just comes around. So Tesla says, hey, don't plug in at this time. The, the utilities are going to are definitely going to do time of use rates. They're already doing that now where Again, you get charged, they tell you not to run your air conditioner or your, your big appliances in the middle of the day. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be a combination of let us manage it for you. Please don't do it at this time. Or if you want to do it at this time, you're going to have to pay extra. Yeah. It's a real 
unrefined situation at this point because I have friends that live in Canada and they were talking about geothermal and how a lot of people were talked into doing geothermal heat and all this stuff. And so they, uh, they did, they went that route, they spent the money and then, you know, they, they turned off their natural gas and they were heating with geothermal through, you know, the electricity and that was uh, pushing, I guess, the water through. I don't know how the whole thing worked, but he was like, yeah, until they got their electric bill and they were like, um, uh, they will just go right back to gas, natural gas. So I, you know, I don't know. I think we've, we're, we're, here's the good news. We are looking really hard uh, for answers and we are, it's making us all stretch to find these answers and hopefully in the next four or five years, They'll fix some of these issues because this whole vehicle to grid thing where you can put the power back when it's not being used or where it needs to be, that that to me sounds awesome. Uh, talking to Mike Austin, Guidehouse Insights about uh, this whole electric car thing. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Mike Austin joining us, Senior Research Analyst at Guidehouse Insights, guidehouseinsights.com on the web if you, web if you want to know more about them. And uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. So, Mike, let me ask you something. This, uh, the whole electric car thing is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty new. Um, cause all of a sudden everybody's got something. Like I was saying, our sponsor Subaru, Subaru is launching, uh, their newest 2023, uh, Solterra. Is that what it is? Yeah. Solterra. That's right. And, and it's all wheel drive. And here's an electric vehicle that you will take off road where you wouldn't normally take an off road vehicle. Jeep has their Wrangler that's electric. I mean, so they're starting to really just, you know, fill in. All the types of cars people want, large SUVs, medium SUVs, small SUVs, tiny SUVs, off-road vehicles, regular cars, little itty-bitty cars, scooters, everything. You can get everything electric. But can we talk for a minute about batteries and the raw materials and supply and all that and, and manufacturing of these things in the U.S.? You got any insights on that? Yeah. You know, the thing is, to your point, you know, yeah, EVs are new and we have a bunch of, you know, California and like 12 or 14 other states have said they're going to be, you know, they're going to have an EV mandate in 2030 or 2035 where it's all you can sell. But 
you know, it's still just going to be, even if you get to 30% of new car sales being EVs, which is a, a rough target for 2030, that's still only 9% of the population. So all of the news is in EVs. Gas cars will still be around for a while, whether you think that's good or bad. But even with this many EVs, there's still a lot of EVs, and it's going to take a lot of raw materials and a lot of batteries. And some of that is unclear. You know, where do we get the minerals from? We have the IRA, which gives these huge incentives to build up a supply chain and manufacture this stuff in the U.S. We still have to get some of the minerals from some countries because we don't have them in the U.S. It takes a really long time to get a mine approved and up and running in the U.S. So, you know, we, we have all this capacity and all these battery factories announced. But, you know, to me, the exciting thing about it in some ways, maybe a little bit scary, is some of this stuff hasn't been solved yet that, you know, right. we're going to figure out once we have a bunch of used EVs, we're eventually going to figure out battery recycling. But, you know, until then, we need to dig up stuff from the earth. And, you know, we're making cars with huge batteries in them. And, you know, maybe maybe we could go with smaller batteries, but we don't have the charging infrastructure yet to, you know, reliably do a highway trip on a car with a smaller battery. So right. there's all these things up in the air. Minerals is one of them. And again, it also depends on the kind of battery, you know, like what are the minerals that go into it? Because if you're looking at nickel, nickel gets kind of expensive and they also use it in steel. So if we're using all the nickel for batteries, that creates another problem. So yeah. it's a lot like everything else in the EV world. It's a really complicated problem and we're just starting to figure out how to solve it. Like I said, the fact is that these problems will, this is where entrepreneurs do so well. Because first there's a problem, then comes an entrepreneur to try and fix it. And so the good news is it's really making the minds of all these really smart people work overtime. My thing is, I thought, well, look, Elon Musk even has these roof tiles for houses, right, that are solar yep. paneled, basically. Why couldn't they figure out a way to make a paint job, the whole paint job on the car, somehow be a, a source of charging, you know, even if it's a tiny little trickle, but, you know, I don't, so th they'll come up, somebody will come up with some brilliant thing. Otherwise I'm going to be putting a um, roofing panels from my house on my car. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. In the well, last. Yeah. Yeah. In the apocalypse, yeah. you'll have to, you know, you'll have your roofing, <laughs> you'll have a cobbled together solar panel and you'll be waiting three days so you can make your trip to the grocery. So, <laughs> right. you know, big enough to charge your car for exactly. to avoid the zombies. But I'm going to put a sail, a mast and a sail on my car too. Last thing, you asked me if I had seen this Super Bowl ad. We've got about a minute. What was the story with the General Motors Super Bowl ad? Uh, well, they used Will Ferrell again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big production and it's action-y. And the, the announcement is GM is working with Netflix to put EVs in these Netflix shows and movies. And it's, it's funny and it's humorous. But last time this happened, Tesla reported that they had a bunch of sales and website traffic jump because these automakers are, are putting an EV ad out there and they don't really have that many EVs to buy. You know, GM has the Chevy Bolt and the Bolt EUV and the Cadillac Lyric and the Hummer, but that's it right now. They've got a lot coming along the way, but it just seems a little, a little early maybe to be spending all this money <laughs> on a message that doesn't help people buy an EV when, you know, that's kind of the point of the ad. <laughs> uh, it's just so confusing. Mike Austin, thank you, brother. It's good, good talking to you again. It's been a while since we, uh, of course, the whole COVID thing and, you know, but it's, it's good to have you back on the show. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. You can find out more about uh, Guidehouse Insights. Just add .com on the back. Mike Austin. I'm Alan Taylor. That's it for me this week. We'll see you next week right here on The Drive. It used to seem to me
This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, and their first SUV of its kind, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Solterra, built to help protect the environment so it can be explored. It's the first electric vehicle to feature the legendary standard capability of symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you to places traditional electric vehicles can't reach. Love is now electric. Learn more at Subaru.com slash Solterra.